Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is March 12th into our second show. Uh, I am going to apologize right away at the beginning. I have a little bit of a uh, head cold, so my voice is a little bit off. So please excuse me. I did let the radio uh, Chris there let me know that if I have to do a little tickle cough, I will kindly cover my mouth. But what a week we have had. We have been blasted with so much snow. I think everyone is in the same boat. Uh, But... You know, we're holding on next week. I think there is hope for single digits. And whether it's hoping for a few minus single digits or it may look like we may even hit into the positives. We want a slow thaw for sure this year. So I found a little poem and I thought it was so fitting. It was fun looking for it this week. It is Waiting for Spring. Please listen. Though cloudy skies and northern blasts retard the gentle spring awhile, the sun will conquer, prove at last, and nature wear a vernal smile. The promise from which to age to age has brought the changing seasons round, and again shall calm the winter's rage, perfume the air, and paint the ground. The virtue of that first command I know still does and will prevail that while the earth itself shall stand, the spring and summer shall not fail. Such changes are for us decreed. Believers have their winters too, but spring shall certainly succeed and all their former life renew. Winter and spring have each their use and each in turn his people know. One kills the weeds their hearts produce the other makes their graces grow. Though like the dead trees a while they seem, yet having life within their root, the welcome spring's reviving beam draws forth their blossoms, leaves, and fruit. But if the tree indeed be dead, it feels no change, though spring return. Its lifeless, naked, barren head proclaims it only fit to burn. Dear Lord, afford our souls a spring. Thou knowest our winter has been long. Shine forth and warm our hearts to sing, and thy rich grace shall be our song. Let's turn our thoughts to the warmth of gardening conversation, and we will get warm thinking about everything that we're going to do. We're going to go right to lines. Lorette is waiting. Hi, Lorette. Good morning. Hi, Hi, Carla. I have a question. How do you grow uh, potato vines? Uh, the the potato vine the pl- the plant the annuals yes yes oh you know what I love potato vine um, if people don't know what potato vine is we will give them a little bit of a visual they are um, they actually have produced little tubers just like your potatoes that are in there but it's a leafy plant that is quite vigorous in some aspects depending on which variety you get sometimes the leaves are green lime green chartreuse right to that uh, dark sort of plum burgundy color tones that are in there. So 
the potato vine you can actually grow in full sun to part shade they do very well I find that they do not like to go very dry in a dry location because uh, they are producing tubers in the bottom too as well you'll notice right away if they are in an area that's too dry for them because they do get very wilty but they will bounce back wonderfully when watered well uh, have you grown them before? Well, I was at the, in fall. In the fall, I was given tubers. From oh, okay. In their plant, in their planters. Yep. Okay. They're quite Did, big, about six inches long. Yep. And they look like yams. You know, they are. Some of them are actually edible. So, it, yeah. Have you looked at them lately? Yes, I had them in the cold until January tenth, cold and dark. Yes. January 10th, I put them in, in a sunny location, but still cold. Okay. But nothing, not, nothing, it looks, still look as dry and no buds or anything. I expected buds like what will grow on... Potato. The sprouts like... On yeah. Potatoes, yes, but there's yeah. nothing. Well, maybe if, if they're firm... Oh, yeah, they're firm. If they're firm, now what I want you to do is take them and bring them into warmth. Because if they're in a cooler state, that's like being in the fridge. They won't activate as quickly. But now if you bring them into the warmth, the ice will start to develop on those tubers. Oh, well, I'll, okay. have, I'll have potato vines for the whole country. <laughs> now, how big? Do you plant the whole tuber or do you cut it when they have their eyes there? Do you well, cut- you you could probably cut them just like your other guys, but uh, it depends on what you're wanting. If you want a nice, big, big show, then you could probably put one in each plant that's on there. But otherwise, you can. But if you do, cut it and let it air dry on that side. Don't stick the wet the wet cut into the soil as soon as you cut it. Okay. Okay? Like potatoes. Okay. Like well, potatoes. Thank you very yes. much. That'll be an experience, a new thing this year. Yeah, and what color did you get? Did you get the it, lime? The lime and plum there that... Very colorful. Yeah. There are, um, like if you're looking, if some of the people are looking for the potato vine, there is one that is the older variety called Marguerite. And it is, you'll put that in a hanging basket and it will cascade down beautifully. Three. Sometimes I've seen it three or four or five feet long. But there are some newer varieties that like, if you're not wanting them to cascade very long, uh, look for the solar power uh, variety or spotlight variety of Ipomea. They stay nice and compact and tight, so they look really good in containers too as well. You referred to Ipomea, but is Ipomea, I thought Ipomea was morning glories. No, Ipomea is also potato vine. Oh. Yes. See, there's it's it takes you into the gardening world where you will look at it and uh, there's different types of names. Like uh, if I was going to say if I had a plant not named elephant ears, elephant ears could refer to a perennial, a tropical, or an annual. So that's why in the uh, botanical world they lead us to uh, the botanical names so we get the definition of which plant we're on. But Ipomea is also potato vine. But it's oh, also well, Ipame is also in yes, it could be also could be your morning glory as well, okay? Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling. Bye bye. We are into the thick of starting our seating. I, I wish you could all smell what I smell when I, well, maybe not the today because I've got a little cold. But on a normal day, you come into the garden center and you smell that beautiful scent of soil and yes, and plant and yes that intoxicating oxygen that the plants exude. So let's go right back to the lines. Wayne is waiting. Hi, Wayne. 
Uh, good morning, Carla. Good morning, and where are you calling from? I forgot to ask Lorette. Well, I'm calling the Lockport area. Well, hello, Lockport. It's a beautiful morning, and I hope we get to our minus four that they're calling for today. For sure. I hope so, too. Yeah. How can we help you today on the Lana Garden Show? Uh, last year, I was given a uh, Myers, uh, Myers lemon plant, and I had it potted, and uh, I grew it all last summer, and it bloomed very nicely, and it uh, produced uh, some lemons. And I brought it into the house for the winter, and uh, I still have some lemons on it right now, as a matter of fact, but all the leaves have dropped off. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, citrus are highlight plants, and we see this all the time when we have some of our citrus and some of our even hibiscus and some of our tropical plants that we see that we take from outdoors to indoors. That's one stress factor that's on there. The other thing is is the lower light levels and cooler temperatures that they affect. Now, when we see this, and it seems kind of funny that it's fruiting, but it has no leaves. But what you have to remember is to, at this stage, is to reduce your watering so that the plant uh, has less water on its roots because otherwise there's more tendency to rot the plant because there's not as many leaves for it to do its respiring and growing at the top. So it's probably just in that state where it's uh, reduced. Once you see that you increase the light levels and we get higher, the levels keep climbing, you'll probably get new growth or bud sets starting on the old wood that's on there, and then you'll see it flush through. It happens here with us too, even in some of our greenhouses, if we get heavy snow load on some of our houses. Okay, so I can put it in direct sunlight then and be all right too? You can start moving it closer to the sun, yes, and give it increasing its light level that's on it. I wouldn't stick it right in the sun because uh, if you're, especially behind glass, because if you know that you stick it right behind glass, it's going to warm it up so fast and you could get caused, I see it also, it causes stretching, but it slowly increase it closer to the light. It's like us. We don't want to stand straight in the light behind a piece of glass. We might get a little scorched. You might get scalding or whiting on some of the leaf structures. Yeah. That's a little scalding. So slowly transition it, but by increasing the light and naturally, uh, you know, it's a time change that's coming up and our day, daylight levels are climbing. So you will see a, a difference on that. And like our some of the ones that we overwinter here that basically go to just sticks, all of a sudden they start producing new leaves again. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah, it has such a lovely uh, fragrance with those, those. Oh, when they are in bloom, it, there is nothing else except for, uh, it's almost like that, gard- I love this gardenia scent too as well, but orange blossoms, citrus blossoms, there's nothing like it. It is such a beautiful scent. For sure. Yeah. Well, keep keep your thumbs up. And if you find that you have a branch or two that are, are not looking as great, that they start uh, browning or if they become brittle that is the time too that when we venture further into spring that you could do a little bit of pruning on that on that plant okay okay great okay awesome help. thank you very much okay. bye-bye there are so many different things and uh that was part of the uh things that i have on here is because the important part right now of our gardening world is either planting our seeds, or transplanting our houseplants. So there's lots to talk about. Okay, we're going to go right back, and there's Marilyn Wayling. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, how are you? Well, this morning, I hope you can't hear me with my 
my cold here, but <laughs> I got a little bit of a head cold happening. Okay. Yeah. Have, my question is, I would like to know the names. Uh, this is going a little far into spring, but blue hydrangeas. I love hydrangeas. Yeah. And I see them out there, and they're blue, and I just wonder what they're called. Sometimes uh, the tags have been removed, you know. Yeah. There is one out there, if you're looking for one that is truly called the blue or purpley blue that's on it, it's called Endless Summer. Oh, Endless Summer? Yeah, it's Endless Summer. That's the one that people are able to grow in our area. That's okay. And it is beautiful. Now, uh, if you get an Endless Summer, you have sometimes you will notice that there is a reversion of it going to more of a pinky tone. Oh, and yeah. Uh, understanding our soil acidity is important where we place our hydrangeas mm-hmm. because... You know, like they like that high acid content, which is right. nice when, yeah, if we're fertilizing our evergreens and our spruce, our blueberries and our dogwoods with 30-10-10 or 36-12-12, uh, it's nice to be able to give that same fertilizer to the hydrangeas because mm. our natural soils are a little bit clay-based unless you are planting in an area that had pre-existing cedars before where you may have uh, increased acidity. Okay. And what about the ones that... I see out and about that are pink. What are they called? Well, there's a few uh, different ones. You could have Pinky Winky. Uh, there's, oh, geez, you caught me. There's Pinky Winky is one that I know that's on there that has all the different types. There's Blushing Bride, um, which Quick Fire that's on it. And one of the ones that you may have heard me talk about before was uh, the Strawberry Vanilla. Oh, yeah. Vanilla strawberry. I love it. It starts off pure white. It's not a ball shape one. It's more of a conical shaped flower. Mm -hmm. And it starts off white with these cones. And then as you venture into July and August, the bottom of the cone turns to a pinky tone. And as the pinky tone climbs up, the bottom goes more red. And then it goes pink to the white on the top. It's probably my favorite. Okay, so I have watched last summer, and I saw that some people had hydrangeas that looked like they were four, five, six feet high. Yep. And which one is that? Well, strawberry, the vanilla strawberry goes about five and a half, six feet tall. Okay. Okay, so that could be one of the ones that you're looking at that's on there. Uh, Invincible Ruby, there is another one that's Invincible Ruby, and I don't think it's, I don't think she gets to be that tall that's on it. If you're looking at it, it's probably either your Quick Fire or your Vanilla Strawberry. Okay, because I, like, I, if I have them in the garden and I want to see them from the house, they have to be kind of a sizable plant, right? So a, a bigger one is better in our yard? Yeah. Well, now we're going to start talking landscaping, and you've just hit it right there, because if I have a large lot, you're totally true. I don't want to put things that are petite in the distance. I want grandeur in the distance, so it gives you that umpa of scale so that you could actually see things. Yeah, uh, that's exactly it. Yep. All right, well, thank you very much. I know it's a little early for hydrangeas, but uh, I thought, well, I'd have a better chance of uh, getting through today. Well, you know what? It's never too early to talk about anything gardening because it (laughs) inspires us. Right. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for listening. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. It's going to be a busy morning, and I think we're all inspired by thinking and envisioning colors and scents. 
So let's go right to the line and let's uh, speak with Jerry. Hi, good morning, Jerry. Hi, Carla. Hello, how are you and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Winnipeg and I'm, I'm doing great. That's I great. have a question concerning my canna lily bulbs. Okay. Okay, last fall due to a, a medical condition, I wasn't able to get out and attend to them. So I got my grandson over. I had three plants and we dug the, the um, bulbs out. Now, two of them I would say would be normal size. But the third one was, my gosh, we couldn't believe it. it was all the young lad could do to lift it. I don't know how many bulbs it's got. But we cleaned them all up, and um, I had to store the big one in a cardboard box in the cold room. Now my question is, how do you separate the bulbs from that? Just, just cut them off at the, where they join on to the main stem? Yeah, you will naturally see where it kind of goes to the the main, uh, like your canna may have had a few multiple heads that came up into the leaf structures. So you'll see where the main stalks are. Follow those stalks. Like if you, like if I plant one and I have one uh, leaf come up, that would be one stalk. But in some, it sounds like you have a good cluster of them where you may have five or six head stalks that came up. You will know that stock, and you'll be able to follow back to where that that bulb set belongs to that stock, and you can do your divisions. And and you just cut uh, where they're joined to that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But make sure you leave some of those good bulb sets with each sort of cut stock that you have that's on there. Yeah, because I don't know how I'm going to get at that big one. I've never seen anything like it. It's I don't even. I can't even guess how many uh, bulbs are on it. Wow. And have you looked at it? Have they started uh, producing any eyes or anything that's on there? No, that I haven't. Uh, the uh, small ones are in uh, paper bags with, uh, with peat moss and compost in them. And the big ones the same in a cardboard box. I haven't opened them up yet. Okay. I would suggest that the same thing before where we're looking at with the Ipamea is let's get our bulbs. Uh, it depends on where you store them because some people are opening their bulbs right now and phoning and going, oh my, I've opened my bags and there's eyes and green sprouts starting already. That's an indicator to get them planted. The okay. other thing is if you don't have those eyes developing, uh, let's get those bulbs in a warmer spot and let's start to get them producing a little bit of eye growth because I always like to see a little bit of the eye development on that plant because then uh, I know which ones are viable and which ones are going to produce those eyes where I then can make those divisions and plant the ones that are going to be good. Okay, so so if I uh, open them up, uh, say today, and I see eyes on it, it's time to plant them um, in the uh, basement and then uh, let them produce till it's time to put them in the ground, right? Yeah. Even if you see even if you see them slightly breaking, you still have time frame to get those eyes truly developed. Okay. Because then there's a better chance of that proper growth and development because the emergence will come a little quicker for you. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah. it, the thing is I I sometimes don't like to plant something that I know that it's not going to live. Save your labor on things that you know is going to be viable. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, thanks, Carlin. Have a good day. Okay, you too, Jerry, and thank okay. you for listening to okay. the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye. 
And I must say, after I do my poem, I kind of put notes down as to if there's no callers, what we should be talking about. But I love when you guys call in. It's fantastic because it shows the energy that we have and it opens up the conversation of what everyone else is thinking. It may be a question that you're thinking about too, and maybe you're too shy to call in. So thank you for calling in, and thank you for getting us thinking of spring and gardening. We're going to go right back to the lines. Jake is next. Hi, Jake. Hi there, Carla. How are you? I'm Well, I wish I could say I'm awesome <laughs> today, but uh, head, colds, head colds throw you for a little bit of a loop. So ex- please excuse my voice and my a little bit of a... Uh, shaking my voice today. But where are you com- calling from? Uh, close to Altona. <clears throat> close to Altona. Yeah, we're yeah, all between... home. And I hope that, that some of this moisture that uh, gets some moisture in the ground for you guys this year, eh? Oh, we got we got lots of snow. I have lots of snow on a yard and on the fields. <laughs> and all that's very nice. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It'll be good because I know it was so dry for a lot of people in some of the oh, farmer's yeah. fields. So this is... I, we're crossing our fingers for a nice, slow, slow steady melt so that we can that? have a, a, a good spring. You bet. Uh, I'm so hope that way. But anyway, let's talk about Eddie Shaw. Last, I think I believe that's last Saturday. I heard a guy talking about uh, composting. Yes. He would throw and he would throw his eggshell into the compost. Now I'm just just wondering, does eggshell really dissolve, or does it stay the way it is? Eggshells are. It's actually. Um, Eggshells are good for the soil, but it takes a very, very long time for them to break down. Because just think of the resilience of an egg that's in there. The added calcium that's in there, but it it does take extremely long time. And I don't know if you heard part of the story, but um, I used to compost quite a bit when I was younger, too. And I would always throw those uh, eggs in there as well. But when I dug stuff out on the bottom, not knowing that I should have crushed them or ground them up, is I would pull all this nice, rich, dark, hummusy soil out, and the eggshell would still be intact. So if we do them, I like to say try and collect them and grind them down as much as you can. But even in that capacity, it's going to take a long time for that leaching capacity to break down. Uh, okay. the, added, the added portion of it is, but I'd rather see an eggshell go into a compost than into the garbage. See? That's that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. What, what what we tried is uh, uh, for a number of years already when we replant our uh, our uh, cucumbers or whatever in a garden in the springtime. Yeah. What, what what we didn't do is crush the the shell up and spread it around the plant. Then the cutworm will not go onto it. That is, oh, I've not heard that, but that would be an added benefit. And it kind of makes sense because anything that has that gritty, grindy um, composition is not great for them. We see that with another product called uh, Diatomaceous Earth or Insecola because it has that gritty grind that kind of lancelates those guys. That's anything that's a creepy crawly. So that's a good little hint too or a good garden tip. The way I looked at it, is the worm will come out, and he sees all uh, this big uh, army around the plant. And then, he <laughs> says, <laughs> and then he says, 
I'm not touching that Russian army there. <laughs> I'm going to go back in, our, in the ground. <laughs> well, that is a good way of defending what we want to value. Thank you very much for the input in that. <laughs> yeah, that was my question. Well, have a good day, and thanks a lot. And I, oh, you're you welcome. Know, I, I, just, I just figured, you know, I would bring this out so uh, other people could probably try the same thing. Yes, I know yeah, you know, well, there's... There's always great tips that we could have, and we enjoy hearing what people have successes with. And we actually hear, uh, like to hear if it didn't work, too, because if it didn't work for you, it may you may be encouraged by saying that what you just explained that didn't work has worked for somebody else. So gardening is always an open realm for different people because we all have different growing conditions, different uh, areas. Um, so you know what? It's always a win-win when we share our stories about growing. Okay? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Well, thanks a lot. Have a great Saturday. You too, Jake. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Enjoy your weekend. This is so much fun. I think we're just going to go through and get the next caller, get as many of you on as we can. Robin is next. Good morning, Robin. Hello, Carla. Hello. How are you this morning? Uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit of Swedish thrown at you. And, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, you are, uh, uh, yeah, I've got to say you're probably one of the most beautiful people I have met in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and now, um, yeah, let's talk about plants. I have, uh, uh, yeah, these, uh, uh, you know, the uh, good old uh, Sarah Bernhardt peonies that you have to strangle back because they have big flowers and they have short stems, right? Yeah. Yes, and then, yes. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Dianthus, and then, uh, yeah, besides, uh, because I detest, I really detest mushrooms, uh, what can grow in uh, really uh, acidic, uh, uh, shady soil uh yeah and then uh yeah that's the whole darn thing uh yeah it, it it's uh yeah it's a really bad idea you know you know and i i plant marigolds and uh yeah by the middle of august they get uh leggy and they get dead yeah so i mean uh what am i supposed to do here yeah you know even watering stuff yeah because i have a big overhang yeah, even if it rains, it doesn't get in there into the plants. So, okay. I mean, what right. should I, what should I plant there? Yeah, yeah. You know, are you talking about uh, echinacea? Yeah, yeah. Those are ones. Uh, yeah, they need the sun. Yeah. So well, what? if you're shady, if you're shady and you're uh, shady and dry, and if it's a competition, there's a few things that we can do. If your peonies are surviving in there, it's because they will sometimes take lighter, uh, bright light diffuse conditions. But in the area that you have that is right. acidic and that, try your hostas, Brunera. Uh, yeah, you could except, do... uh, yeah, the hostas, the problem is the deer eat them off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, there's another battle. <laughs> okay, that's the other side of gardening too as well. Uh, Brunera, try, have you ever tried Brunera? Have I ever tried what? Brunera. It looks like a hosta, but it has a fuzzier type of uh, leaf that's to it. And it's uh, got beautiful little soft blue flowers. 
in the in the early spring. Right. So you could try that, and if yeah. it's if you're battling, uh, I would also try. Uh, how much sunlight do you get there? Uh, well, uh, some, but not so much uh, because there's an overhang and there's a lot of big oak trees over here. Yeah, and that's why the soil is acidic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and well, I, I love the oak trees and I love the squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is, right? Yeah, I would probably try. Um, and what height are you trying to get to? What height are you wanting these plants to go to? Do you want something tall or do you want something short? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that tall, but uh, short and hardy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, other I ones... mean, I've got the peonies and the dianthus, and uh, otherwise, nothing much is going on. Like I said to you before. Like leggy marigolds, yeah, yeah. Well, marigolds likes full sun. Well, right there, no, don't even, I wouldn't even try the marigolds because the marigolds like the full sun aspect that's on it. So right away, I would probably, if you like marigolds, make sure you put them in a sunnier location. Mm -hmm. But if you're telling me that dianthus is working for you because dianthus is a full sun part shade plant, that's letting me know that you probably have more yeah, sun in there. Yeah, that is the primitive dinosaur plant, yes. Yeah, yeah the primitive that, carnation, yes. So if you're able to grow some of the dianthus, um, try bleeding hearts that's in there because bleeding hearts will take a little bit of shade, but I always think that they like a little bit more sun. And I don't think your deer are going to like the bleeding hearts, so I would probably try some bleeding hearts in there. Yeah, bleeding hearts. Yeah, bleeding yeah, hearts. that was a very good plant. Yeah, yeah. Try the bleeding hearts, and I, I want uh, where you go to your garden center. Ask for Brunera, and see if uh, Brunera. Well, and I'm going to come to you. Uh, yeah, I, I figure I, uh, uh, the best bet is uh, around the. Uh, oh gosh, uh, yeah, probably about the uh, weekend after uh, Victoria Day. Yeah. Yep. Well, this year we don't know when we're going to be gardening because it's going to be that whole aspect of when we get our thaw that's out there. But we could definitely help you out. Okay? Yeah, and 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 thank you so much. And you are a very, very beautiful person. And uh, I'll let you go for now. And we will um, come to uh, see you around uh, yeah, the week after the May long weekend. Right. Sounds like a plan. Okay, okay. thank you, Robin. Take care, and you have a wonderful weekend, okay? Bye-bye. Before we end, I've got a few tips for you because I know that seeding is on the brain for everyone. Everyone's fingers are tingling and wanting to get their plants growing. But the first thing I want you to remember, if I uh, say anything, make sure you know how fast your plants are going to come up. Check those seed packets. They are gorgeous. The seed selections here have been coming in, and I'm just mesmerized by the colors. Now, I'm going to slow you down a bit because you can be influenced by the packaging that's in there. And when I say you influence, you may want to do them all, but you have to remember how much space do you have. You don't want to overseed unless you want to really give away to a lot of friends, which may not be a bad thing at all. It would be a beautiful blessing for someone to give us some extra plants for our gardens. And know when they're going to come up. Know how fast they're going to come up. Because, A, if I plant my pumpkins now, wow, just imagine how many pumpkin vines I will have flowing throughout my dining room waiting to go out into that warm weather. So knowing its time frame of when it's going to sow, 
knowing when or how fast it comes up is important too as well. Know what kind of size of pot that you need to put it in. If you have tiny little petunias, start off with small cell uh, plants that you can put them into so you individually can transplant them later. Larger seeds will not adapt to being in small, small containers. When I'm saying small, I'm talking an inch by an inch. Sometimes, too, there's at your garden centers, you can go through and you can get peat pellets. The peat pellets are like these flattened hockey pucks that expand with the moisture that's in there that actually create these individual cells. If you were going to drop one or two seeds into them, they're soupy super easy to care for when they're in that and they make really easy transplanting at a later stage. Now just imagine you've got your soil dampened, you've got your seed ready to go. Remember that heat is important. You need that heating mat that's underneath it to keep that constant heat source. Sometimes I remember, yes, the heat trays or my seed trays used to go to the top of the fridge where it used to be so warm and cozy and I would watch and check daily when they were starting to grow. I have to say that was way before when I was here and we had our germination chambers. Now the other thing too is if you want to create your own germination chamber, get a, a tray at your garden centers or even sometimes cookie sheets will work that have some moisture that you can put something like a cellophane or a bag over top or there are plastic little mini greenhouse domes that you can create on top of it because the dome itself will help to keep that moisture content on your seed and in your soil which is so important for germination of seeds and the dome on top will keep it nice and warm it keeps that added strength and that added warmth onto the plant so that it's ready to go Remember to lift the lid every now and then, make sure that it's moisture. And remember too, that the tray that you've seeded is not sitting in any extra water that's at the very bottom, because we do not want to create rotted seeds and dampening things off. We want to take care of what we've sown. And lifting the, the dome every now and then, or the plastic wrapping that's clear so the sunlight gets through, lift it every now and then, because air exchange is very important for the plants to be able to breathe. And as your plants grow, you can add a little thing by maybe a fan to strengthen it. Just envision, envision a new sapling in the, in, the, in the field. That gentle wind, not only is just giving it that rocking motion, it's causing it to say, hey, I've got to create better roots to, so I can have added strength to my plants so I can support my structure when I'm taller and bigger. We haven't even hit the conversation of transplanting our tropicals, which is so important at this time. So maybe next week, if you have conversations that you need uh, answers to, remember, jot it down, 1-800-374-3315, because then we'll be back on the Lawn Garden Journal for then. But for now, I wish you the best weekend ever. Take care, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye, everyone.